0: Ark of the Covenant you've got various artifacts which were kind of milestones in the, in the life of the nation and they were all put in this uh, Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant was kept in the most holy place in the tabernacle and that's where, you know, if you wanted to meet with God you went to where the Ark was in the Holy of Holies, in the centre of the tabernacle, yeah? But... Um, the Ark of the Covenant was also, if they were in trouble, if they were going out to battle, the Ark of the Covenant, they used to take it out with them and have it at the front of the army because if they had it there, then they won, Because they carried the presence of God out to battle and, and they carried the presence of God out at the front of the army. Yeah, um, So it's almost like God himself leading them out to battle, his, his presence there. The problem was that because of their disobedience and because of their... A rebellion towards God, God allowed the Philistines to capture the Ark of the Covenant, and they carried it off. And uh, and so you've got now in Gibeon, you've got a tabernacle, which has no presence of God. It's just it's an empty tent. But people still went there to worship, without the presence of God. Which to me just is I don't I don't get that how you can worship, without the presence of God. Just seems to me to be a bit of an enigma. But that's what they were doing, because the Ark of the Covenant, the thing that, that was the focal point for the presence of God, had been carried off into captivity. Now, um, through various situations and circumstances, the Ark of the Covenant comes back, and, uh, but it doesn't come all the way back. It, it, it kind of rests at this guy's house, and he gets terribly blessed and everything else, and, and they're planning on bringing it back to then to Jerusalem, which is, where the, which is the, the, the city that David has made his capital. Now this is before the temple is built, and David decides that uh, that Jerusalem is by far the best place to have the Ark of the Covenant, and he builds his own tabernacle to bring the Ark back to. So he's bringing, if you like, the presence of God back to Jerusalem, and he's built his own tabernacle for that to happen. And this is the tabernacle, this is the tent that Amos the prophet talks about. That's who James was quoting in those verses when he's talking about David's fallen tent. He's talking about the restoration of this tabernacle of David's, which David built in Jerusalem to house the presence of God so that they could come to worship. So what the prophet actually is talking about here is a restoration of Davidic worship. A restoration of worship in the the style, if you like, of David in the style of his tabernacle that will be the foundation for the building of the church so immediately you can see actually this is pretty important stuff our corporate worship actually is pretty important because as far as the prophets and the apostles are concerned our corporate worship creates the foundation for the whole of the church creates the foundation for the building of the church that that is what God is going to restore in these days so that the church can be built and grow and become everything that God wants it to be. So you can see it's pretty important. Don't you think? Yes. But if I Let me read you the passage actually in Amos. It's in Amos chapter 9 and at verse 9 it says this. For behold, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes a sieve, but no pebble shall fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say a disaster shall not overtake or meet us. So he's talking about people there who have become complacent and think that God will just, um, you know, look after them regardless of how they behave, how they act. They, you know, they they can just kind of live how they like, but God will always be God and do good things for them. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. So in that day, um, when when you come across that phrase, uh, particularly through the Old Testament, in that day is referring to, looking towards the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day when... Uh, if you like, the kingdom of God, uh, as, as they would understand it, has has started to kind of be built on the earth. Um, which, of course, are the days that we live in. So we live in the days of, you know, Jesus said, you know, you know the kingdom's here because I'm here. You know, you know that the kingdom of God is here because you see me doing the works of the kingdom. The, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among us. It's right here. Now, these are those days. So when it says in that day... These days, are those days, that God is going to restore David's tabernacle, or his booth, as they phrased it there, which is kind of the old way of saying tent. Now, what it doesn't mean is that we need to go around pitching tents. Okay, that's that's not what uh, that's not what the scriptures are trying to teach us here. It's not that it's nothing to do with the actual structure. It, we, we don't, you know, we don't need to go all and demolish our buildings and put up. Uh, a tent just like David's tabernacle instead that's not what it means what it's talking about is the principles that surrounded David's tabernacle and the importance of the things that went on there and so we've already uh, kind of noted this whole thing about the presence of God it's about the presence of God that um, the, the bringing in bringing the ark back to Jerusalem and into David's tabernacle the presence of God came with it and and The tabernacle then became the focal point for just about everything. So it was the place of worship, but it was also the place of judgment. It was the place of wisdom. If you wanted to talk to God and you needed to know something, you went to the tabernacle. Um, There were people gathered there for worship because the presence of God was there. And interestingly, and this kind of, you know, you see parallels of this uh, today, that Gibeon uh, was literally seven miles down the road from Jerusalem. And Moses' tabernacle was still operating. Even though the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God was in Jerusalem. That there were still people who, out of their religiosity, were going through the motions in an empty tent. But the presence of God was in David's tabernacle in Jerusalem. And so worshipping there meant you were worshipping in the presence of God. So... I think the first thing to say about this is David's tabernacle was not overly religious. Actually, David's tabernacle was much more relaxed than Moses' tabernacle. Now, they still followed the important procedures that God had laid down in terms of what must happen in worship and in the tabernacle, but it was much more relaxed. There was much wider access. There was much more freedom in the worship. The people were, were allowed to express themselves, and, and um, everybody was allowed to come. And express themselves in, in David's tabernacle. It was it was a place of worship, much like the kind of worship that we would enjoy today. Except that you would have an altar, and you would have, you know, a couple of curtains that, that uh, the priests would wander in and out of, and all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, the the style of worship was much more relaxed. It was much more open. It was much more enthusiastic. It was much more spontaneous. That was the nature of David's tabernacle because it reflected David it reflected his character and you know God says about David in David I've found a man after my own heart that's the only person in the whole of the Bible that God says that about that, that there was something in the heart of David uh, as imperfect as he was because he made plenty of mistakes he made some pretty colossal <laughs> mistakes um, he, he did some stupid stuff but in his heart he was a worshipper of God. Right at the core of him he was a worshipper of God. And, uh, and th- that was what God was saying when he said in, in David I found a man after my own heart. He's recognising that actually this, this guy is a worshipper. This guy has a desire and a motivation to honour uh, and respect God by bringing worship to him. And that's, uh, out, it's out of that heart that his tabernacle is built and set up. And it's that kind of culture that then kind of reigns in that place. So the the prophets are saying that's what God wants to do in this day and age so that all of the people who are seeking God can find him. In other words, in the communities that we live in, we are called to set up, if you like, David's tabernacle. We are called to set up a place of worship where there is that freedom of worship, where there is the presence of God, so that people can find God, so that people can walk into your building, whatever it is, whether it's a, the pl- a place you own, or whether it's a school hall, or whatever it is, can walk in off the street, into the presence of God, because his people are there worshipping him. And uh, and that's where all the magic happens, <laughs> because the presence of God is there. That's where all the wonderful stuff Takes place now. I know, and don't so don't hear me say things I'm not saying. I know that we each, because we're filled with the Spirit, we carry the presence of God with us. I, I understand, and one of the things that we will get into at some point in the future, I hope, is the whole uh, uh, arena of our lifestyle should be a lifestyle of worship. You know, it's not just about what we do on a on a Sunday, but actually the whole of our lives should be filled with worship. But what the prophets are talking about is corporate worship, where the body comes together and there is an enthusiastic and passionate uh and spontaneous and and uh, relaxed and in many ways informal worship that takes place that God just loves and so he presences himself in the middle of it so that when the when the gentiles when the when the pagans when the people who don't know God come into that they meet God they discover God they might not be able to articulate that because they might not have experienced God before they might not know exactly what it is they're walking into but they will experience the presence of god we baptized a, an old girl uh, a few weeks back and and um, one of the i don't know how old she's how old's phil she must be 80 70. yeah 70. late 70s okay and um phil's testimony we, we video people's testimonies and uh, and show them because it's easier before they're baptized and phil in her testimony Uh, She was just raving um, uh, about uh, this couple that brought her to church and the first time she came to church and she didn't want to go home. In fact, uh, the people who brought her wanted to leave before everybody else had gone. (laughs) And, And she complained she wouldn't let them take her home because she so loved Being here. Now, she, she talked about the people and the atmosphere, you know, and and the fact that she just felt at home and people talked to her and she felt loved and all that sort of stuff. But right at the foundation of all of that is the fact that she came and found herself in the presence of God. Everything else is just the icing on the cake, you know. She found herself in the presence of God and, and she had no idea how to describe that because she hadn't had that before. She couldn't articulate that. She probably didn't really understand that. She just knew that, sitting in this place, it is different. And, and there is something special about that difference. We had, when we had Mark Ritchie here um, last Thursday, seems like an age ago now. It wasn't last Thursday, it was a week ago Thursday. Yes. Um, we had a lady who... Uh, she comes in regularly to our, to our cafe. Our cafe cafe's open through the week. And so she comes in regularly to that. Um, she has no real church background. But she was here on, um, on Thursday night. She responded to Mark's message. Um, she sent me a text. Uh, which is the longest text <laughs> I have ever had. You know, it's more like an essay than a text. Saying that she loved coming into this place. And these are her words... Somebody with no church background, she said, because I come in here, she said, and there's a purity that I don't find anywhere else. She said, it's lovely. She said, it's, she said, it's my place of peace. Right? Now that's the presence of God. That's the presence of God. And why have we got that presence of God? Because this place is filled with worship. You know, because we have laid that foundation of worshipping and God loves his people to worship him, and when we worship him, he comes and presences himself in that. And you know, he doesn't want to leave, so we just keep worshiping. He just stays, you know. He's just here, making his presence felt. So um, that is what God is looking for. It's that foundation that everything else gets built on. You know? Now, I'm not saying that we don't need all the other things because we do. So you know, we do need the sermon. Okay, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm determined to stay in a job. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, all, there are a whole host of other things that are important. But, but our worship lays the foundation. Our worship lay, lays the foundation for the presence of God. For God to come and, uh, and be God in this place. And do all the things that he wants to do. And that doesn't change except for uh, in a conversation that Jesus has something kind of moves slightly. So in in uh, the Old Testament you only really bump into the presence of God in the tabernacle or later on in the temple because that's where God is. But then with the incarnation the presence of God moves because in the incarnation when Jesus is born he is the presence of God and then in John chapter 4 you find this really interesting conversation where Jesus uh, has this encounter with a woman at the well you remember that story and it's really weird because uh, it's one of those conversations where you think how did we get to this place you know the, the conversation starts about water you know Jesus says give me a drink a, a Drink. She's, she says there's no bucket um, you know and what have you and there's the whole like, conversation about living water and so we're kind of with it up to that point, aren't we? Because we buy a well and there's a water theme and we kind of, alright, that all makes sense. And then all of a sudden there's this conversation about temples. You know, and the woman says, well, you know, I'm a Samaritan, so, you know, we're used to worshipping on, on this mountain where you're a Jew, you're used to worshipping on that mountain. And um, there was intense competition between the two mountains, between the two temples. They both claimed to worship the same God, but but there was great competition there, and, and uh, you know the the Jews used to regularly pop over the border into Samaria and you know knock chunks out of the <laughs> temple. Um, and uh, it was not a happy or a peaceful kind of scenario between the two places. And so this woman is saying to to Jesus, who she clearly recognises as a Jew, she's saying, "Well, you know, you Jews, you you say that's the place that everybody must worship, and we Samaritans, we say this is the place." Where everybody must worship. And Jesus says that a time is coming and has now come. Where true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And in that statement Jesus changes the geography. So it's no longer about Jerusalem. And it's no longer about Samaria. It's no longer about either of the temples. But actually the temple now becomes me. That actually as a true worshipper worshipping in spirit and in truth I am the one who now carries the presence of God hello so the presence used to be in the holy of holies in the tabernacle and, and then in the temple the presence was then found in the incarnation in Jesus but as Jesus ascends and as the holy spirit descends as the holy spirit comes down to fill us all the presence of God now sits right here the place of worship now sits right here. You and I carry the presence of God in the form of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, our hearts, our lives, become the place of worship. Now, important to understand that because uh, our worship, what it means is that our worship is not Confined to a particular geographical space that our worship can be anywhere and everywhere. In fact, any time a couple of us get together, we can have corporate worship. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we can worship God together and know that the presence of God will be there. Manifestly there. Because we know God's omnipresent. We know that he's everywhere. But I'm talking about in a tangible way. In a way that you can experience him. Yeah? Um, so we're no longer bound geographically but we are still called to worship together to lay that foundation for the building of the kingdom of God yeah the the corporate worship is still important so the geography changes but the dynamics don't are you with me Okay. so there's some important dynamics Um, I've actually done a handout for this you'd be pleased to know can I ask my beautiful young assistant to pass these around Little ripple for Becky hey, Becky's a real worshiper i 'm not advocating that you do this particularly because you 'll embarrass her, but um, if you watch Becky while she 's worshiping, she uses every fiber of her body. In fact, I was standing next to her this morning, and I had to duck a couple of times as the hands were flying. <laughs> but just it's like every ounce of everything that she's got gets poured into that worship I want to tell you that's wonderful God God just loves that um, I need one of those myself ok what I've, what I've done here is um, I'm just drawing out for you hopefully uh, uh, in a very practical way um, the principles of the tabernacle or the temple uh, because actually they create a pattern for us in our corporate worship now, if you read through, and it's worth, it's worth making the journey, but it's not a short journey, through the Old Testament scriptures, particularly through Exodus and then in places like uh, Numbers and, uh, and Leviticus, you've got lots of instructions about the temple. And uh, God says, uh, on a lot of occasions, I, I can think from memory of at least seven occasions where God says, I, it's really important that you follow the plan. You know, the, the, actually the instructions that I'm giving you here are important things for you to uh, observe and to follow um, and he's very precise about these things so once the geography has changed the principles haven't and so what we find here are, or what I want to share with you is some principles uh, for our corporate worship that will help us if we pay attention to these to consistently find ourselves in the overwhelming presence of God Hear His voice and see all sorts of wonderful things break out, you know, healings and the prophetic and all of that sort of thing. This this is the journey, if you like, of worship, of corporate worship, that God has laid out, and you find it um, in the layout, particularly of the tabernacle and the temple. Um, but you also find it through various teachings through the Old Testament. It, it, it lines out a kind of a journey for us, and to try and make it easy, um, I've picked out four key words. For you there, ascend, access, adore, and abide. So the, the graphic on the bottom there, uh, that is, is roughly um, the layout of the temple. So the blue bits are the entrances, the blue arrows there are the entrances, the yellow bit is kind of the, the outer uh, court of the temple, and uh, then uh, when you get to the, the grey bit, that's the holy place, and then when you get to the red bit, that's the holy of holism. These in the the tabernacle, these areas were all separated by curtains. In the temple, these areas were separated by walls. Until you get to the holy, holy, holy of holies, where there was the big curtain in the temple. You know, the one that was torn in two at the crucifixion. That that was kind of uh, in between the holy place and the holy of holies. And that would that's the layout of the temple. And it's laid out like that for a reason. It's laid out so that we understand that actually, if we want to find ourselves in the immediate and intimate presence of God, there's a journey to take for us together to get there. Are you with me? Okay. Is this all okay? It's not too much? It's, we're all... Okay. Good. So the first thing is this. Ascend. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Um, there were songs uh, which we commonly call the Psalms of Ascent. There's 15 of them in the book of Psalms which the people used to sing on their way to worship. And this is the ascend bit, ascending the hill of the Lord. And one of the things that, and this is one of the key things that we miss uh, that we really need to pay attention to is that actually our preparation for worship starts before we get here. Yeah. And so um, on their way to the temple they would sing these psalms and these psalms would remind them of all sorts of things. They would remind them of the goodness of God, the way God has cared for them, his faithfulness, you know, his mercy, uh, all of those things. They would remind themselves of those things. They would be prompted at various points to consider their own walk with God and maybe to come to a place of repentance over some things and maybe there's business to do with God before you actually get into the courts of the temple and that's the kind of ascend bit that actually we are preparing ourselves to come together for corporate worship and so in our preparation we need to make sure that we are coming from the right place You know, the, the, we, um, there's nothing uh, there's no unfinished business in between us and God or anybody else for that matter that if there are things that need sorting out and settling they need sorting out and settling so that we don't bring them into the place of worship with us are you with me? and, and then the second kind of facet of that was that it was, it's preparing us for worship because we are reminding ourselves of who God is and why we have come to worship him so we're getting focused our, our minds are getting drawn in it's a preparation to begin the journey into the presence of God so then, um, uh, making that journey, we come through the door into the courts and uh, Psalm 100 enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So our our entrance into our corporate act of worship begins with praise and thanksgiving. It, it begins with acknowledging the goodness of God uh, and You know all of the things that surround that. You know it begins with acknowledging together, singing songs about, applauding, you know shouting about, dancing over. You know um, the goodness of God, His love for us, His faithfulness, His mercy, His grace. You know the, the way He continually shows us favor. All of those things that that those things are what inspire that those first steps of worship. That we are actually reminding ourselves together who God is and how good he is and being exuberant in our praise. This is the point where, you know, um, it should be kind of top gear. Now, listen, if you for most of us this is the reality that we spend the first, first couple of songs warming people up because they've not come prepared. And so we have a journey to take teaching our people to come prepared. Because if we come prepared, if we make the right ascent, then when we get to the access, we're ready. The minute the you know the minute the band starts, we're up on our feet and we're ready to throw ourselves into the worship and to give it 100%. I mean, so for me, this this has been a a practice for me for 40 odd years now, which is how long I've been saved. I'm thankful that I grew up in a church which really understood worship and taught well on it. Um, and that I had a, a, a senior pastor who really was a worshipper I mean he really and still is uh, a, a worshipper um, I learnt an enormous amount from that and one of the things that I learnt was to come ready and be ready and that the minute, the minute we start our corporate worship I'm on my feet and my arms are in the air and my feet are tapping and I've got my worship sway on you know I'm there I don't need warming up because I'm ready you know? and if we can teach people to be ready that's going to help us when we come to worship we don't lose the first 10 minutes warming people up and get them to the place where they're ready to start engaging Yeah, Um, but that access point that's the noisy bit that's the bit where we're playing the up tempo songs it's the bit where we're playing the praise and thank you songs and the bits that remind us about how great God is but we don't stay in that place so um, we need to make a journey on from there if we're going to get everything that we need to get out of this so the next step in that the next stage is the adore stage the adore stage we kind of change gears a bit we move from the praise and the thanksgiving into a more intimate worship, it's a more intimate kind of level of relationship um, where it's going to be quieter, it's going to be more reflective it's going to be more intimate and by virtue of that it's probably going to be slower and simpler so this the implications for this as musicians is that if we're going to make that journey if we have started in the right place the next step means that actually we're moving into something now which is quieter which is not quite so frantic uh, which is not uh, it's no longer a knees up but it's like it's moving into something more intimate I often think of this as like you know if you you know when you have guests round for dinner maybe you don't have guests round for dinner but when you have guests when we have guests round for dinner particularly if it's people we've not seen for a little while the first 15 or 20 minutes it's all kind of madness isn't it it's it's hugs and kisses and how are you and it's great to see you and you know do you want red or white you know it's all those sorts of things going on and um, uh, you know it, it, you're kind of catching up if you like and there's you know there's that kind of excitement about all that isn't there but if it's going to be a good evening it will inevitably settle down into something quieter and more intimate where the conversation gets deeper doesn't it? You kind of, if you get past the froth and bubble bit, into something a bit quieter and a bit deeper. And it's that kind of journey, okay? So we move into the place of worship. Now, musically, um, you you might want to find some good transition songs that take you from the pacey, noisy kind of praise stuff into the quieter worship stuff. You need something to bridge that gap for people. Yep. Yeah? Otherwise, it can be a bit too sudden and a bit too sharp. But musically to help people, we we need kind of transition songs there to take us into that. But we get to that quieter place where we spend time just adoring God and getting intimate with Him. But then the bit that we that we miss, and um, this is a journey that we have to build. Okay, Um, it's not something you can just you know. I wouldn't recommend that tomorrow morning you sit down with your your song list and say, right, we're doing this, and we're going to end up in the in this um, abide bit, because actually, it's quite a journey to get there, and you have to cultivate that. If you don't already have that, you have to cultivate that with your people. Your people need to know they're on a journey. They need to know where they're going, and it does take a little bit of commitment, you know, to the to the worship by the congregation to get to this place. But the place of abiding is the place where we're still in that place of worship, we're still in that place of intimacy but we move more to a place where we are listening to what God is saying. We're moving more to a place where uh, the prophetic can start to break out. We're moving more to a place where the miracles can start to happen. You know, there's a, there's a whole raft of things that God might do in that place of abiding. Now, there, might, um, there might be a, a, a a call to repentance. There might, you know, the Holy Spirit might start striking things in people's hearts, and in that place of abiding, you know, give somebody the wisdom to stand up and, and call us all to repentance. I remember uh, this, this is etched in my memory because it was just a, a beautiful moment. Um, it was a lot of years ago doing some um, worship seminars. I'm actually I'm sure this was in Nottingham, but I can't think where it would have been. And um, Graham Kendrick was leading worship and whatever you think of Graham's songs as a worship leader he is absolutely brilliant he's one of the most sensitive worship leaders I know Uh, I mean stunningly brilliant and Graham was leading and I'm I'm on the platform at the back somewhere I've done my bit for the day Uh, Graham is leading the worship really great band and we got to that place of abiding and there was just this wonderful kind of pregnant expectation you know in there something is about to birth here something is about to happen and um, uh, and god gave me a word which uh it was it was all about i don't remember it exactly but it was it was to do with like carrying water out into the desert that actually we were surrounded by dry places and and god is you know putting buckets of water in our hands to take out to these dry places and so i gave it and uh and we just stayed in that place of abiding and probably 3 or 4 minutes later there's a guy in the band who plays the trumpet and starts playing this i don't know what it was some kind of trumpet call and as he's playing that all around the congregation there were probably a thousand or more people there people started to stand individuals started to stand because as that trumpet call was being played they heard the call of god through that to something deeper to something bigger in terms of reaching out to the world around them and as they were hearing that they stood nobody asked them to But just the Holy Spirit drew them to their feet in response. And it was just an awesome moment, you know. Now that's the sort of thing I'm talking about in the abiding. That it's that place where we are totally lost in God. And totally available to him to hear him and to to respond to him. That God can come in then and say what he wants to say. And do what he wants to do and call what he wants to call. And we will naturally respond because our hearts and our heads and our spirits are in that place of abiding, they're in that right place and that's the place that we are heading towards all of the other bits are important because we don't want to just get to the bit where we get blessed or, or we get challenged, we need to worship God because God wants our worship, so we need to do all of that stuff and we need to do it well and we need to do it properly, but the end of the journey is that place of abiding where we're sitting in the place of worship but we're completely open to what God has to say to us and what God wants to do with us and there is a freedom in that place for God to just come and do it and for us to respond to it and that that, to me are the dynamics and the principles of the temple and of the tabernacle and that for me are the things that don't change now I know that um, and I'm nearly done so don't worry I have three minutes left so in my three minutes let me just say this I know that um, because we are Pentecostals because we are spirit filled because we enjoy the spontaneity that comes with all of that we don't like formulas too much Um, but let me tell you the Bible is full of formulas repent, believe and be baptised that's a formula Hello. Yeah. Um, Now this is a formula. Uh, You know, we we start with the uh, praise and thanksgiving. We move into the worship, and we push the journey on through. You know, into that uh, place of abiding. It's a formula. Um, I was on the road with with my band doing exclusively worship stuff. We didn't do anything else um, for seven years. Uh, We mostly in the UK, although you know we did some stuff. Internationally as well, um, we we were a resident worship band at Spring Harvest for six years. Played at the Glastonbury Festival twice. Um, you know, uh, we that's that we did a lot of stuff in, in those years. Every time we got up to play, we followed this formula. This is the formula we followed. And every time we got up to play, we finished up. Honestly every time, in the intimate presence of God. When we... I mean, it was a complete mystery to me why they would invite us to go to Glastonbury Festival. Well, I want to tell you, in that marquee, which was full of every kind of person you could possibly imagine, including a very cute guy with, with the letters NF tattooed on his forehead, National Front. He spat a lot and said a lot of unhealthy things to us. but All of the people who were in that tent... Experience the presence of God, and there were people saved. We baptized them before we left. There were people saved at Glastonbury. <laughs> Come on, I mean, just does this not blow your mind that even you know that God can even break out in what is probably the biggest secular music festival in the UK, where most people go there to you know do drugs and get laid and listen to the music, don't they? That's pretty much the size of it. Um, and people are getting saved their lives are getting changed forever why is that happening? because we got to that place of abiding where they experienced the intimate presence of God and found themselves on their knees repenting you know? and every, every situation I, I, I cannot remember a single evening when we didn't follow that formula and I cannot remember a single time when as a band we went out and ministered and we didn't finish up in the intimate presence of god with great things happening great flow of the prophetic uh, we we would go and do meetings and we would be there till the early hours of the morning because god gave us prophetic words for everybody who was in the meeting and sometimes that was thousands of people uh, and there were six of us on the team sometimes it used to take a while you know um, people getting healed in the worship nobody laying hands on but just in that intimate place of the presence of God abiding together in the presence of God people getting healed of uh sicknesses and disabilities they've had for years just going you know some um, i mean some really great prophetic words that changed lives i remember I oh, oh, no, I am going to finish now um, I remember in Glasgow, we were in Glasgow, we got to the end of a meeting, we were just sitting there in the presence of God, and there's a guy sitting there, and this, what drew my attention to him was he was wearing a bright red bomber jacket, I mean, really bright red, it was the days for that kind of thing, you know, and, um, and I went up to him, I thought God had given me a word for him, and I didn't really understand what it was, and I said, listen... I just feel for you, this is a message from God, please you know, check it out for yourself, don't just take my word for it, but I just feel that God is saying to you that he's calling you to be a father to the fatherless. And I have no idea what that means, but that's all the words that I have. So I gave it to him and left it with him. Um, it was about two years later at a Youth for Christ conference, this guy is there, I didn't recognise him, I'd only ever seen him the once, that was my entire Interaction with him. He came up to me and said, You don't remember me, do you? I said, Correct. <laughs> I have no idea who you are. And he reminded me at that moment and he said, He said, the week after that, he said, I was walking through the centre of Glasgow, he said, and I saw all these kids on the streets, um, who just were not being parented. They were just, you know, whether they got homes to go to or not, I'm not sure, but they were, they were basically living life on the street though, you know and uh, he said I just felt totally moved by God and I remembered what you said he said and we now have a ministry looking after hundreds of young kids you know on the streets in the centre of Glasgow every week we're ministering into their lives now those things happen in that place of abiding it wasn't just the prophetic word but he was in the place to receive that because he was in the place of abiding you know and everything his life changed because of that and and that's our goal our goal is to move to that place and I know that it's a formula and we don't particularly like formulas but let me tell you this is a good formula this this is a God formula and if we I I guarantee you if you work on this and if you pay attention to this you will start finding yourself more and more in the intimate presence of God where God will start doing amazing things yes? okay I'm going to pray then we're going to take a break and we can have some more I think some bacon sandwiches left some pastries left there's some um, what is it you brought flapjack, flapjack. there's some brilliant flapjack homemade. homemade by Wendy little ripple for Wendy yeah um, so let me just pray and then uh, we'll go and have a break and come back in 20 minutes so father we thank you uh, lord we thank you for the privilege of being called to worship we thank you lord, uh, lord that we can meet you in that place that you uh, lord love to come and make your presence felt amongst us and i I pray father that all of this stuff that we've just been looking at i pray you would cause things just to settle in our hearts and in our spirits that will help us to move to um, a better place lord to a place where uh, our worship becomes stronger and deeper and uh, more meaningful and takes us on that journey right into your heart lord where you can do everything that you want to do, be everything that you want to be for us and that we can receive it and have our lives changed because of it. So we just pray, Lord, you would come, have your way amongst us and uh, for the rest of this morning as we engage in different things, just pray that you would bless us and help us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's take a break.